Good morning. You got you got to get more pumped than that. We're going places. Good morning. Yeah. Listen. Uh, grab your Bibles if you could. Turn to Numbers eleven. We are going to. Uh, we've been walking through the Bible. If you're new here, you watch from home. We've been reading through the whole Bible each day together and following a plan called the Bible Recap. We've got all sorts of resources here. We just stepped into Deuteronomy, so you can you can pick that up. Right? If you're behind, we'll catch you up. No big deal, but God wants you to read his word. He wants you to read his scripture because he's trying to communicate to you. And if you're watching from home, if you're not into this, I just want to pose the question, is there a God? And if there is, is he trying to communicate with you? And if both the answer is yes, why not read the Bible? Why not let this be the time where you decide to answer that question? Is there a God? Is he trying to communicate with me? That's why we gather. That's what we're trying to figure out. So we're going to be wrestling through that um, <clears throat> particularly in Numbers 11. I'm going to pray, and then, uh, then we're going to get into it together. Father, we pray your spirit would move. We need your spirit to change our hearts, to give us a new heart, to help us to look to you and to see you more and more fully. I pray your spirit would move amongst us as one body, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, all together in you. Give us humility, Father, humility and faith this morning and all the things that, that we can't even ask for because we don't know, we're too prideful to see. May your spirit pierce through any, um, any arrogance, any evil, any, any heaviness, pain, anything that would keep us from seeing you and hearing you. We love you, Father. Amen. All right, uh, I'm going to ask you this morning uh, if you're ready for this because I, I want to make sure that you are at least half as pumped and ready as I am. So uh, those of you introverts and who are so scared to say anything, I'm just looking for any sort of yes or excited response. Are you ready to go this morning? Yeah. You, you ready to get into the Word? Okay, uh, and you know, I'm not just like, we're not like at some convention where I just, you know, need you to feel my ego and woohoo, yeah. I just, I want to make sure you're engaged, you're ready. Because we, listen... When we start getting into certain places in Scripture, right, there are times when, like last week, we're going to drill in and say, there were serpents, fiery serpents, that were biting people and killing them, and a staff was raised up, and Jesus quotes it. So let's drill into that. And there are times, uh, a lot of times when I preach, this is kind of how mine works, where it's just like this 30,000-foot flyover of all of Scripture. And so that's why I'm saying buckle up, because we're going places. And I need you to pay attention, because what I'm about to tell you is something that every single one of you needs to grow in, including myself. It's something we need to look at, we need to wrestle with, and we need to deal with. But uh, we're going to go on a journey here, and uh, we're going to start with some Hebrew. These are kind of like your, your words to hold on to to make sure that we're on the right path and that I don't get on rabbit trails and get distracted. So we're going to write them up here, right? Uh, everyone say tov. Tov. What is that the Hebrew word for? Say it like you actually know. Good. Right. Say it like you don't hate my handwriting. What about Ra? Evil. Say Ra. Say evil. Sometimes there's an H there. I get confused. We're just going to put R-A for now. Tov, Ra. What's the next one I have here? Uh, ruach. There it is. Say Ruach. Like you're clearing your throat. Ruach. Man, David, why is your Hebrew so terrible today? A-U. Uh, uh, UH. Okay. Uh, what is Ruach? Breath. Good people. Look at you. You've listened over the years, right? It's also the word for 
Spirit, Holy Spirit, right? So we're going to put breath, breath of God in particular. Man, I'm writing so bad today. Breath and spirit, that's really important. Now we're going to go lev. Who here knows the Hebrew word lev? L-E-V, or sometimes pronounced lev? Anyone? Heart. Say lev. lev. Heart. Right? Lev is heart. These are all words we're going to need. Here comes a good one. Get pumped. Navi or Navi. Say it. Hey, listen. Anyone get that reference? <laughs> My people, right? Uh, so uh, it's a video game reference that only mattered for two of you. But Navi is a character in a video game, but the Hebrew word Navi, right? It means prophet. Prophet. Navi, prophet. Uh, is that the last one I had on here? Ah, and King Jesus. It's the most important. That's where we're going. King Jesus. Say King Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, say it like there's something sweet about that name. Say Jesus. Boom. Okay, we're going to kind of separate these things here. Here we go. Okay, this is kind of our point of reference. Got it? Tov, good. Rah, evil. Ruach, breath, spirit. Lev is heart. Navi is prophet. King Jesus. All right, sidetrack. Where are my artists at? Raise your hand if you're an artist. There you are. Raise them high. I need to see my artists. Raise them high so everyone can look at you, right? Fantastic. You are going to be my helpers, right? Is anyone familiar with this piece of art? It's a tree, right? Thank you. Not even an artist, right? So this is uh, an installment that was done by some Christian artists in Mozambique. Raise your hand if you know Mozambique, right? Okay, raise your hand if you know what's significant about Mozambique's flag. We'll get there here in a little bit, but it's interesting. So um, this was created. Can you tell me, what is this? Someone already said tree. What else we got here? Yeah, maybe a frog. Creatures of sorts, right? Living creatures, birds. Insects. There's a monkey on the side of the tree. You can't quite tell, but that's there. Good. Can anyone, uh, can anyone tell what this is made out of just by looking at it? Metal, yeah. So it's not wood, it's metal. Um, let's, uh, can someone, uh, do we got the next picture here? Yeah, uh, you maybe can't see it. Does anyone know, so this is metal. Can anyone guess what kind of metal this is? Scrap metal? Car parts? What else? Mozambique is the only flag that has a machine gun on it. So, ooh, ooh, this just, the emotion just hit me talking about this. Hold on. So, uh, Mozambique was uh, uh, owned by Portugal for a long time, and somewhere in the 70s they got their independence, and they entered a civil war forever. I mean, like, I mean, those of you who are from the 70s, it doesn't feel like forever, but for me, that's forever, right? From the 70s up till the 90s, they were in civil war, and there were so many guns and things they got from the Soviet Union, so many things, just all of these machine gun parts, and they just had these things. And these Christian artists decided in, in early 2000s, four of them worked together and they made this. Can you go back to the tree? So they made this tree out of broken down machine gun parts. Does anyone know what this is called? What did the artist call this? It's called the tree of life. The tree of life. So uh, the tree of life is mentioned a few times in scripture. It's mentioned at the beginning. Does anyone know where else it's mentioned? 
It's mentioned at the end. And both times this tree symbolizes an eternal relationship with God where he is getting exactly what he desires and man has a right relationship with God and people get to eat from the tree and they gain uh, the right will, the desire with God, the relationship with him. It's a tree that symbolizes the world is the way it should be and God is on his throne and things are going right and humans aren't mucking up the place, right? And insert these guys who make this tree of life out of machine gun parts. What else is there to say? Like art, I don't want to be the guy that explains art to people because first of all, I'm not a great artist at all. Uh, But that art should create this tension in us, this challenge. These artists are seeing this situation differently from Mozambique's history. They're not just, just seeing a war-torn country or a broken country. They're saying something here that was destructive and awful, something else is coming from it that's eternal and bigger. Your machine gun parts don't control us. Something's bigger. The Lord is bigger. There's something here to be said about Genesis 50-20, right? As we went through Genesis. What you intended for rah, evil, God used for tov, good. And you see that when you look at that tree. What you intended for evil, God, who's bigger than you can imagine, used it for good. Imagine all the Mozambique people walking through and seeing this tree of life made out of broken down machine gun parts. Man, so beautiful. In Genesis 1, the Spirit hovers over the waters. Genesis 1, the world was formless and void. Tovu vavohu is formless and void. And the Holy Spirit, first time Spirit's mentioned, Ruach, God's animating breath, His force, His, His existence in Spirit, it hovers over the water. And it creates order from chaos. It just keeps creating. God speaks ten times, and He calls everything He creates, Tov, good. This is how the world's supposed to be. God speaks, it's created, it's good, right? And then he gives us his world to rule with him. And we're together. And everything's right. And then Genesis 3 comes along. In Genesis 3, we get this notion from the serpent that says, you can be like God. Forget that you already made in his image. You can be like God. You can decide good from evil. You can decide who gets machine guns. You can decide who dies. You can decide who has authority. You can decide who deserves money. You can decide who is scarce and who has plenty. You're in charge. And so we rebelled. We said we can decide this for God. And so the Genesis 3 fall is you can be like God. You can be God. You can know good from evil. Look to themselves. That's the whole point. Look to me. It's all about me. Genesis 6, 5, after the world keeps having all this corruption, there's several stories. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention of his heart, Lev, his heart, was only rah, continually. The heart, I mean, I don't need to describe the Hebrew word heart, because you get it. I can say heart, and you're thinking of the organ that pumps blood in my chest, but you can also think of how I love my wife with all my heart. You can imagine that my heart gives me a desire to do something. You understand the tension with the word heart, because we have a limitation of language, right? And so context really helps us, and we work to understand things. But the evil is consuming And human's heart is only on evil. It's the first time we get a glimpse in Genesis. There's a heart problem. Rah. Say rah. The Genesis story continues. We've got Noah, Tower of Babel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. 
They all struggle to be like God, to rebel, to define good from evil for themselves. And then we get to Genesis 50, 20, what you intended for Ra, God used for Tov. And this is what we see. That's the end cap for Genesis. Wait a minute. Maybe there's a God who can turn machine gun parts into a tree of life. Maybe there's something deeper than what we see. Maybe we should see things differently. That's where we're at. Go through Genesis. And then we have the Exodus where, where uh, Pharaoh forgets them, doesn't know them. And you have this tension between Moses and Pharaoh and Pharaoh doing all these things. And God calling his people through Moses out. And he calls them out through all these ten plagues. He speaks ten times again. He dismantles creation. It's a huge moment. We've talked about it here, right? And then they get to Mount Sinai. Do things go well? No. They make a golden calf. They, don't, they won't look to God. You're supposed to look to God. He's the one. Stop trying to be like God yourself. It's corrupting you. It's destroying you. It's bringing all this rock. Look around. Do you see rock? Say, yes, I see rock. It's everywhere. So the solution is look to God. And God is right there on the stinking mountain. He's right there. And they say, we are stiff-necked. And we are going to make a golden calf and look here because it is us. We are like God. We can define good from evil. I will never not say that when I'm preaching because that is your heart issue. That is my heart issue. Every problem I have comes back to David thinks that David is God. And David can decide good from evil. And I can't because it leads to corruption and death and problems. Every marital argument, every problem with my kids, every time I get a little too angry, every time I get arrogant and prideful, every time I, I want to curse, every time I, I want to struggle with addiction, it all comes back to my heart wanting to be like God, full of rock, my love, my heart saying, I want to be God. Stiff-necked, they won't look to God. And we talked about how they were supposed to be priests, liaisons. They were supposed to connect everyone to God so everyone would look to the Lord. Because everyone's supposed to look to the Lord, behold Him, and look to Him and say, you are my God. I follow you. I obey you. But just constant complaining and grumbling. Let's take a tour real quick. I've got some slides here of some stories. Happy or sad face stories. Yeah! So the people, they, uh, Exodus 5, they complain to Moses as Pharaoh makes life harder for them. Happy or sad face? Just give me a, a thumbs up or thumbs down. Is that a happy or sad story? Sad face. People complain, right, to Moses, Exodus 14. Huh? Okay. Uh, what about the people complaining about bitter water, Exodus 15? Okay, I'm going to keep looking for your thumbs. I can see you not doing it. Uh, the people complained about being hungry. God gives them manna. Is that a happy or fad, sad, sad? Yeah, sad, right? They complain, right? People complain about being thirsty, Exodus 17. What's the next one? We've got a whole other slide of these. Oh, my goodness. Exodus 32, Numbers 11, Numbers 12, Numbers 14, Numbers 14 again. What's the next slide? Number 16, number 16, number 20, number 21. Oh my goodness. These people are the worst. The author's trying to do something. If you just follow all the times, the Hebrew people are like, if only we could be back in Egypt. It's like, don't you see? Don't you see how raw your heart is? You want so bad to be like God that you're willing to reject the true God and go back to slavery and death and destruction? Over and over, they complain. Things aren't going well. Why? Because they want to be like God. They want to know good and evil. We get to Numbers 11. We're going to land there. I told you to look there. Man, I could not get past this story. And it unpacked for me so many hours of study this week. Just so many. It's a very fascinating story. There's one phrase in here that it's one of the first times this phrase is used. We're going to talk about it. Numbers 11. Here's the basic story. The people complain again. 
if only we were in Egypt, right after they leave Mount Sinai, by the way. They're back on the road, right? They're complaining. If only we had the melons and, and the garlic and all the good things that we had in Egypt. We're so sick of manna. They're complaining, right? Blah, 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 right? There's nothing to eat. I think Adam said last week, this is a complaint, right? So ridiculous. And then uh, God's upset. Moses calls the 70 elders together. And you know, something fascinating happens. God's ruach, his spirit falls on them. You know what they do? Say, navah, navah, they prophesy. Navi, prophet, navah, they prophesy. Prophesy, first time that word's used in Hebrew scriptures. They prophesy, right? Spirit of God. And then so, then the spirit kind of leaves them. And, and two guys, though, they keep prophesying. Weird story. Seventy guys prophesy. What is prophecy? I don't know. It's the first time it's used in scripture. They, navah, when the spirit falls on them. Ruach equals navah. You get it? Shake your head yes, right? We're going places, right? Say we're going places. We're together. We're so good. Okay, so then the Navah, spirit falls and then prophesied. Now two guys, they keep prophesying. And a young bro goes and tells Joshua, hey, uh, these guys, they won't shut up. They keep, uh, they keep on prophesying, yo. You, you go take up the chain of command? And Joshua, uh, the scripture reminds us, like, hey, this is like Moses' dude, right? And he goes to Moses, and he's like, Yo, these guys, they won't stop prophesying. I don't know what to do with Moses. It's a big deal. They won't shut up, and they're just doing stuff, and they're, they're prophesying. They're Nevatan, and we don't know what we do. Numbers eleven twenty nine. Here's what Moses says. Catch this. Hold tight. Are you jealous for my sake? Are you jealous for my sake? If only all, say all, all the Lord's people were Navi. If all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord's spirit, his ruach, would fall on them. Here's Moses. He's our dude. He's the hero that we get in so much of the Pentateuch. He's the guy. He speaks for God. That's so important. We might belittle him and say, oh, but he has some bad things. He did this and that, those things. But he's the guy. He's the main character. And Moses wishes that everyone would be a prophet. And everyone would prophesy when the Spirit falls on them. Catch that. Moses says, if only Ruach would fall on everyone, and they would be Navi, they would be prophets. Trippy. I couldn't get past that story today. I was stuck on it. Okay, so we got we to deal with this, right? What is a prophet? What is a prophet? It's weird, right? What? Uh, when you think of a prophet, I'm not going to make you answer this because you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to look silly because you know I got to give you the answer, right? But when you think of a prophet, you might think of something like this guy. Oh, who knows this guy? Do we talk about this guy? No, we don't talk about this guy, right? Because he's got a seven foot frame. Rats along his back. Thanks. Ollie's my dude. Right, where are you at? I know you got this whole song memorized. Anyway, so here's the thing. When you think about prophet, you're thinking of future teller, one who knows stuff, maybe one who's been moved so in such a way that's super charismatic and does weird things. You don't have to shake your head. I know this is in you. You certainly wouldn't say, I am of the Lord's people and I am a prophet. You wouldn't go that far because you don't want some Baptist man to come step on you and say, you are not a prophet. That's only special people like Bruno, right? It's okay. But then Moses says, if only all of God's people would have ruach upon them, his spirit, and they would be prophets. You catch the tension? 
only all of God's people. Was Moses just tripping? Why did God put that in here? He's teasing something out for us. We're going places. Say we're going places. Going on a journey here. Let's, as we unpack the word Bruno, let's look at 1 Samuel 9.9. So 1 Samuel 9.9 is Saul looking for his father's donkeys. Huh? Huh? You guys know this story? You don't. We'll read it. It's super weird. It feels like random information. Hey, you know that guy Saul? He's out there looking for his dad's donkeys, which is the best start to all stories. You remember that time you were out looking for your dad's donkeys? Me neither. But that's what he's doing, right? And he ends up spending some money on a servant trying to get some sort of help. And, and then 1 Samuel, we don't need to cover the story, but 1 Samuel 9, 9, the author pauses to give us a piece of information. Say, hey, reader, Here's a little piece of information. 1 Samuel 9, 9. Dear reader, previously in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he used to say, come and let us go to the, the seer. For who is called a prophet now was previously called a... So prophets were previously called... Seers. Raise your hand if you've ever seen anything ever right? You've got eyes, you see things, right? People see things, right? But then also we talked about how the word heart is tricky because we also know that is seer here talking about literally seeing things. Yes, but the implication is that they see things that others don't see. They see things more clearly, more fully than other people see. These are what navis are, prophets. They see things. They see things differently. Much like some guys who decide to see machine gun parts differently. They see it differently. Something's different about them. They're seeing it differently. Let's look at Exodus 7, 1 and 2. Exodus is a weird place. Moses tells God at the burning bush several times, here's five reasons why I'm not your God. I'm a terrible bro. I can't handle this. Don't trust in me. And here's what uh, the Lord says. Exodus 7, 1 and 2. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you as Elohim as God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your, the uh, second time prophet is used in scripture, Navi, right, shall be your prophet. As for you, you shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall speak to Pharaoh. Here's what's happening here. God is telling you what a prophet is. What is a prophet? One who speaks the words of God, the will of God. That is a prophet. You, capiche, you with me? A prophet is one who speaks the word, the will of God. Say, I got it. It's important. Okay, we'll go to the next page. Prophets speak the truth and the Lord's will. Interestingly enough, when they speak, what does that sound like? Genesis 1. God speaks and he calls it Tov. And it would only make sense then that God speaks his Tov through his people. Now you're starting to understand this. Hold on. Moses wishes everyone would what? They'd be so moved by the Spirit of God that they would obey Him and that they would speak the will of God so that other people could obey Him. Boy, that sounds like being a priest. That's what we talked about. Ah, maybe God's going someplace. Maybe He's trying to tell us something. Wishes that all people would be like this. But over and over, Israel doesn't do that. Prophets are seers, right? They're declaring the will of God. God sends many prophets to speak over and over. We're going to get there, man. Did you know a third of the Bible is prophets? Third of the Bible, it's prophetic poetry, in fact. Raise your hand if you're an artist again. We're going to read so much poetry this year. Get ready, right? Majority of the Bible, and it's, it's complex. It's difficult because it's poetry. A good definition of poetry is reduced language, but if you've ever read poetry, it feels like lots of language. It's lots of words, right? But that's the point. It's reduced language, extrapolates, help us understand. Ah, more than that another time. Now Moses, he says, I wish 
God's spirit would fall on people so that all of them would be prophets. All of them would speak the words of God. And then we get into Deuteronomy where Moses has these locker room speeches with his people. And he's giving his passionate pastoral speeches all through Deuteronomy. And next week we're going to talk about that. Uh, A friend of ours, Jen Martin, is going to come. And she's kind of a Bible scholar and a mom and a wife. And and we're going to sit here and we're going to actually talk about, hey, what is Deuteronomy 6? What is the Shema? What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart? We're going to get really into Deuteronomy and dig out kind of this main idea. We're flying over right now. But Moses, he says, here's my locker room speeches to you guys. And he ends with this, Deuteronomy 36. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart. Say, ooh. Yeah, that's weird, right? The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, so that you may live. The implication is that you're not living. You're not living. Why? Because your heart's not circumcised. What is circumcision? It was the covenant sign that God gave to say, these are my people. I've separated them. I've changed them, right? They are markedly different. You understand circumcision? I don't need to explain. Do you need me to draw a picture? No, you got it. Okay, so this is circumcision. I'm going to give them a circumcision of heart. Something of their heart is going to be fundamentally changed in such a way that everyone knows who they are, like circumcision. Everyone would know, right? It's the understanding. Moses says, this is what's needed circumcision of heart. Your heart needs change. Moses wishes that all would prophesy, and that we'd look to the truth of the Lord, we'd speak it, but Moses acknowledges there's a heart problem. Why aren't, why are, you, why are there so many complaining stories? There was eight or nine of them right after we got past Numbers 11. They don't stop complaining. They don't stop being disobedient. Moses says, it's, it's your heart. There's a circumcision heart. The prophets pick up on this. We've got Ezekiel 36 and Jeremiah 31. Man, I want to unpack this more than we can, but we'll put them up here. Ezekiel 36 has this idea that I will give you a new heart. I will replace your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, right? He says a new heart. Put a new spirit in you, new ruach, something new. My presence, my breath is coming in you. There's a prophecy, one who's speaking the will of God. He sees things differently. Ezekiel's a weird dude. We're going to have a lot of fun reading Ezekiel, right? Jeremiah 31, this is a huge prophecy to the Jews. They held tightly to this. For this is the new covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. It's not on tablets. It's not on scrolls that need read. I'm going to put my law within them. Say amen because you need that. You don't want to follow the Lord so many times. You don't want to come to church. You don't want to pray. You don't want to read your Bible. You want to do what you want to do. I want to do what I want to do. I would love to sit and play video games all day and watch Lord of the Rings and and be a super nerd and not have to do anything. But something changes our hearts to see things differently. He says, he will write on their heart and I will be their God. They should be my people. The prophets knew we need a change of heart. Moses knew we need a change of heart. And then comes Jesus. What's the first thing Jesus taught? Repent. It's a Greek idea of changing your mind. This is your worldview, and you need it to be here. See everything differently. Rethink about the things you think about. Do you see a connection now? Jesus coming as being the fulfillment of everything. He was the perfect Adam, the perfect Israel, the perfect you, perfect me. Is everything we couldn't be. He was the prophet, priest, and king that everyone failed to be. He was the perfect prophet. And he starts by saying the kingdom of heaven looks like this. This is the kingdom. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. Change your mind. Jesus picks up on this language of heart in Matthew 15. He quotes Isaiah, a prophet, a Navi. He quotes him and he says, you draw near to me with your lips, but your hearts 
are far from me. Can you relate? Have you ever said something that your heart's not actually behind? Do you have desires that, that conflict with the things you say? Woe is me. Who can save me from this body of death? I want these things, but I also want these things, and I want to do these things, but I don't do them. This is the tension. We need a new heart. Jesus talks about out of the overflow of the heart comes all these bad things, man. And then Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. Hold on. Don't miss that. John 14, 6, Jesus says when the Helper comes, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Numa, which is a, a spinoff the word, Ruach, same idea. Wind, breath, Hebrews have the same idea. Say Numa, Numa. Ruach, God's Spirit. It will come, it will teach you all things and bring to memory all things that I have taught you. Jesus said he's going to give us his breath. Later on Acts 1.8, we see and we shall receive power. Say power. After the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, what do we do? We are witnesses. We are witnesses. What do witnesses do? They speak. Come on. You bear witness. Right? They, they communicate in some way. Come on. This is too good. You got to say, I see it. You see the connection here? Moses says, I wish everybody would have God's Ruah and they would speak. They would speak the will of God. They'd be so moved, but they can't. Sad face stories over and over and over because their heart stinks. It's corrupt. It doesn't work right. All the prophets, it doesn't work. And Jesus comes and says, hey, you know what they all talked about? Having a new heart, this fundamental thing that you can't fix on your own? I'm going to do it. I'm going to die. I'm going to be, be laid dead and buried and I'm going to raise from the dead. And the Holy Spirit will enter you through believing in me so that you will receive power so that you can go and speak. Holy cow, come on. What are we doing, church? This is incredible stuff. And so Ephesians 1.13 says, In Him, Jesus Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in Him, you were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, who is your guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the glory of God. That sounds like circumcision. Hold, hold on. You're marked when you believe that the Holy Spirit seals you. Go like this with me. Just seal. Say seal, right? The Holy Spirit seals you. You're markedly different. You have a circumcision of heart. Your heart's been changed. Later on in 1 Corinthians, some of the most debated verses in Scripture that we don't have time to unpack, but we're going to say some things about 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Paul spends the majority of 1 Corinthians writing to people who are not eating meat. They're drinking milk because they can't get along. They're arguing. The Corinthian church, so important to understand 1 Corinthians. The Corinthian church doesn't get along. They've got all these things. We read, when we do the Lord's Supper, we read from 1 Corinthians 11, right? Because Paul quotes it, and it's so succinct. But the reason Paul quotes in 1 Corinthians 11 is solely because they weren't doing it right. They were, they were dishonoring people. So all of 1 Corinthians is disunity and chaos. It's tension. And so Paul comes in in 1 Corinthians 12, and he says, Hey, about spiritual thingies, we translate spiritual gifts, and it's a really bad translation because that's, Paul doesn't use that word in the same way ever. He doesn't use that word. The word means spiritual thingies or spiritual peoples. About spiritual thingies that y'all see happening, right? And he goes on to talk about tongues and prophecy and, and different gifts, and he goes on to emphasize like, hey, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. 
You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led, because there's spiritual things going on that lead you astray. That's his point, right? Therefore, I want you to understand that there is one speaking in the Spirit of God. Uh, uh, there is no one speaking in the Spirit of God who ever says Jesus is a curse. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit speak? Jesus is Lord, right? Okay, so each is given, verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now you understand 1 Corinthians 12 in a nutshell. And you hear me quote this all the time. I quoted some this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. We suffer together. We celebrate together. You are the body of Christ, each individual members of it. It's my favorite place in Scripture because we struggle with isolation. You want to do you. You want to go do your life. I come to church and I give you a little bit, but it's not my main thing, right? Wrong. Christianity says it is everything. King Jesus says everything. If you believe in Jesus, you're unified with his church. You are one. Your suffering is my suffering. Your sin is my sin. The time you yell at your wife is the time I yell at my wife. It's all connected. We're all messing it up. We all look to Jesus together. So then Paul goes on into the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 12, hey, about spiritual thingies. He mentions prophecy a little bit, some other things. And then he goes to 1 Corinthians 13 and says, love, all for the weddings. Nah, man. Uh, he was writing to say, you know what's more important than all these spiritual gifts? Love. Why? Because when God comes on your heart, Moses said that you would love him and live. It's all about your heart. Do you love the Lord? And so Paul comes at it with love. Are you loving the Lord and loving others? It sounds a lot like what Jesus said. This is the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then 1 Corinthians 14 comes on. And Paul has a lot to say about prophecy and speaking in tongues. Look at me, especially those of you who love these verses. We cannot cover all of this right now. We don't have time. I've already got the negative number up there, and we got to fly because I've got some real practical applications for you. I can't talk to you about tongues today, okay? I don't have time. What I can say is that when the Spirit moves, you see action. You see things happen, okay? And in Scripture, we don't get this idea that no one ever speaks in tongues again. That's not in there, right? But we do understand that unity is the goal. If you're at a worship service where there's tons of things happening that create distraction, disorder, and chaos, and it makes a whole bunch of people confused, and they can't see the Lord because someone's flamboyantly ripping their clothes and babbling on and on, that is not what Paul's talking about. That's the very thing Paul's talking against. So when we're talking about speaking in tongues, we're talking about unity in the body. If anyone speaks in tongues or talks about speaking in tongues, we've got some questions to ask. I'm going to get there in a minute. Okay, we go on tongues, but Paul, here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love, right after 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Who does that sound like? Moses. Didn't Moses say that? Now we have Moses at the beginning of the book and Paul near the end saying, everybody should prophesy. And now we're thinking about Bruno. Right? Come on. That's not it. That's not it. They're not fortune tellers. Right? Uh, I had a slide. I missed it. I got to throw it up there. Prophets sometimes speak the future. Prophets often interpret the past. And prophets always call people to look to the Lord and obey Him. Prophets are covenant watchdogs. I love that phrase. I heard another scholar say it. Prophets are the ones that say, you know what God said? Look to Him. You know what God told us to do? He, great is His faithfulness. Look to him. That's what prophets do. And now Paul's saying we should all desire prophecy. It sounds like Moses. Clearly, we're all supposed to prophesy. Why? Because when you speak the gospel, when you speak of King Jesus, the Holy Spirit allows you to say Jesus is Lord. You are prophesying. Because all prophecies point to King Jesus. The Bible is one unified story that points to Christ. Right? Now, walk in that tension with me because clearly Paul acknowledges that some people are gifted with prophecy. 
but everybody should prophesy, right? And so on the one hand, church, every believer in here, you are called to prophesy. You are called to speak the truth of God. And some of you, the Spirit will fall, and there'll be a timely, specific message that God gives you to speak, right? And that's a gift of prophecy, and it will always align with a covenant watchdog, with calling people to look to Jesus. It'll always align with the gospel. But that doesn't give the rest of us a pass because some of us are especially charismatic and feel like we're prophesying all the time, and I'm a prophet who needs to get rid of that language. We're all called to prophesy. All of us speak the will of God. All of us are called to prophesy. The Lord's Spirit is in us, changing our heart, bringing Tov from Rah. And through His Spirit, we speak His truth. We prophesy. We look to Him. That's why Ephesians 1 said, You are sealed in the Spirit through hearing the Word and believing. I want to ask you, we're going to get real practical here in the next five, five to eight minutes. Real practical. So if you've kind of tuned out and you're like, ah, you used some Hebrew and you talked all over the Bible, here's your time now. Come back in. All right? We're going places. Say we're going places. <laughs> we're go- Thank you. Thank you for being with me. I'm real excited about this because it's really convicting and heavy on me this week. How is the Spirit of God working in your life? We, we could tailor and say, if you're not a believer, I've got these. If you're, not, if you're oh, just cut to the chase. If the Spirit of God is in you, you are growing in unity in Christ and His church. That has to be the case, because that's Paul's emphasis. You're unified in the Spirit. We read it last week, Ephesians 6. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against powers, principalities, spiritual forces, things in the unknown realm. And you put on the armor of the Messiah, and you pray together, unified in the Spirit. So how does the Spirit work in your life? Some of you this morning just need to hear, man, I'm not unified with the body of Christ. I'm still trying to go my own way. I've twisted it. I've got a stiff neck. I kind of see God on the mountain, but I'm kind of focused on my own thing, and I don't want anyone to tell me how to live my life. This is the church. We're supposed to grow together. More on that in a minute. Is the Spirit leading a cycle of repentance in your life? You see a new life. You're markedly different. I can't come in here this morning and say, hey guys, you wouldn't believe it. Right outside front here, as I was walking across the street, I got hit by an 18-wheeler. How you doing? You'd be like, no, you got hit by an 18-wheeler. Something should be different in your life, David. Like, are you a superhero or are you dead? What are the options, right? So if Jesus Christ has changed you, if his spirit is in you, how are you markedly different? How has he changed your heart? Here we go. Is the spirit leading prophecy in you? Do you speak the truth of God and other people? Do you speak those things? Do other people hear you speaking? Now, I hear your barriers, right? Some of you would say, I'm I'm not gifted in that way. I'm just not gifted in that way, right? I don't see into the future. That's, That's not what we're talking about again. Moses and Paul says, all should prophesy. All should speak of Jesus. Walk in this tension with me. There are clearly some people who are gifted in certain ways, but all are called to certain things. Does the word tell us that we are all called to be hospitable? Yes or no? Yes. Are certain people gifted with hospitality? Does that mean you, you get a pass because that's not your gift? You don't need to be hospitable. No, right? What about, uh, does, the, does the word call us all to be generous? But are some people able to be especially generous because of the way God's blessed them? Ah, okay. So, oh, now you're seeing the tension here. Okay. Uh, what about evangelism? Are all of us called to be witnesses through the Spirit? to go tell people about Jesus. But are certain people gifted with evangelism? Ephesians 4, right? Yeah, okay. Prophecy. Now you're thinking the same thing. Now you understand. We're all gifted to see this. So what do we do? This is it. It's where the rubber meets the road. What do we do? Church, prophesy. 
speak the truth of God. If you're a Christian, prophesy. This is why we say go, right? We worship God passionately. We connect with each other authentically. We grow to know God deeply, and we, you can read it, it's two letters, go. You go and declare the gospel. They will be my witnesses. They will speak. They will prophesy. They will tell of the gospel. Go, church. There's a dying world who doesn't know Jesus. Are you going? Are you going and letting them know? We see the world differently because we've repented and our minds have been changed. Just like some Mozambique guys who said, these machine gun parts can speak more. They can tell the world of a bigger God who does bigger things. We see the world differently. Dare to see the world differently. Repent and speak to others. You should be speaking what the Lord has laid on your heart to others. Listen, some of you are so afraid to speak truth. You hear a scripture or you think, man, I kind of got this connect this person in church. This person is sick in this way and, and my mom was sick in this way or I've had this struggle. This person struggles with alcoholism and I struggle. And, and, and we are so afraid to speak because we don't want to be wrong. What if I'm wrong or sound dumb? Has the thought ever crossed your mind? You have nothing to lose by prophesying over them because we are told as a body believers to test every prophecy, to test everything. Why? So that we don't think we're awesome. So we get puffed up. 1 Corinthians 14, 29-32. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh in what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let him be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged. So that all might learn and be encouraged. So that all might learn and be encouraged. This is why you prophesy, so that all, the body of Christ, the church, will learn and be encouraged. Is it just on David? To get you pumped every week and to think, oh, you got to learn to be encouraged. Gosh, I hope not. Because so many times you stare at me blankly like I'm just up here teaching myself, right? Because I talk too long. It gets boring and I'm talking too fast. I've got all these problems that I do, right? I'm sweating like nobody's business up here. You probably think I'm disgusting. I promise I showered this morning. But if all of us are speaking to encourage each other to prophesy, now we're going places. Because I can't reach all of Jeff City. I can barely reach my family. But you can. We can so that all may be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. We're all prophets. Your prophecy is subject to my prophecy. Your truth of God is subject to my truth of God. So we all look to Jesus together, and the Holy Spirit is, says Jesus is Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Church, please prophesy to each other. Speak the gospel to each other. If you feel God is moving in you, I love this person, I need to tell them they should join the church. I love this person, I need to tell them that I miss them. They're not sitting here anymore, and I love them, and I wish they were here. You have nothing to lose by reaching out to them. First, run it by someone else. Say, hey, church member, I feel like I need to speak this in someone's life. And the Spirit of God working us together to say Jesus is Lord, to speak that word, because you're broken and messed up. You could miss it. That's why we test it. We're in this together. Humbly allow yourself to prophesy and to be tested. Rich Mullins once was quoting one of his professors, and he said, he used a different Bible translation that has a different word for donkey, but I'm going to clean it up a little bit. But he said, he said, God once spoke to Balaam through his donkey, and he's been speaking through the like ever since. So if you ever feel like God should speak through you, don't think so highly of yourself. We're, we're going to mess it up. We're not perfect. 
But together we look to Jesus and we hold him to our standard. Let's get real practical. What does this test look like? I want to prophesy. I want to speak the truth of God. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to tell this person that we're kind of connected and I feel their pain and we're one together. But, but how do I know I'm speaking in the spirit? Here it is. We're going to give you an equation. This is great. You guys love equations. We're Westerners. This is our thing. It's kind of vague. But there's three things here. The first one, does this directly point to King Jesus and behold him? or something or someone else. Is this thing that I'm wanting to speak, right? Does it declare John 14, 16? I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. That's your standard. Does this relate to King Jesus alone? Or is it ultimately about me? Do I want to speak to them so they think I'm cool, so they think I'm awesome? Point two, does this word lead to progressive victory over sin? Does this word produce or increase fruit of the Spirit? Memorize that. Speak these things to each other. This week, measure your life. Has God, I'm called to be a prophet. Moses wished that all would prophesy. And all the prophets said, this is going to happen because God's going to change your heart. And then Jesus says, I have changed your heart. When you believe, the Holy Spirit enters you and it transforms you. And you will speak. You will be my witnesses. How do I know? How do I tell this guy at work about Jesus? How do I invite this person's thing? How do I, how does more people get here? They don't get here because I'm an awesome preacher. Again, I'm going over time and people get bored. I'm not great, but you are. In Christ, we are together. We are one. We need each other. And we hold each other accountable to this. Are we pointing to King Jesus? Are we seeing progressive victory over sin? Are we seeing increased fruit of the Spirit? This is what it means to prophesy. If you're not a believer, consider all the ways that maybe you keep looking to yourself. Maybe that's where you're stuck this morning. You say, man, I'm still trying to be God. I'm still just looking to myself. In theology, we use words like uh, repentance, justification, sanctification. Here's a word for you. If you're not a believer, you're kind of new to this, check this out. Justification or repentance is looking to Jesus and believing in Him. It's looking. Looking to Him. Just say, I, I acknowledge. I'm not stiff-necked. He is above me, and I believe in the gospel. I look to Him, and I believe in Him. Sanctification is beholding Jesus and being transformed. The second most commandment in Scripture is to behold. The first one is do not fear. I think there's a connection, but beside the point. Behold. You look at a light bulb. You behold a sunset. You eat a McDonald's cheeseburger. You behold a filet mignon steak. Amen? Some of you ain't never eaten steak. Come on. You've had a meal you behold. You can't define behold. It's tough. But you behold a sunset. You behold when all of a sudden winter covers all the things around you. You behold it. Sanctification is beholding Jesus, continuing. Look at a diamond. Turn it, turn it, turn it. It's beautiful. And so many different things that go through. It's so amazing. You're beholding Jesus. This is sanctification. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Look to Jesus. Behold him. If you have faith in Jesus, these two things are happening. If the Spirit is in you and you have Jesus in you, these two things are certainly happening. You're seeing progressive victory over sin and increase fruit of the Spirit. Do the patterns of your life look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? Or do they look like me, 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 mine, mine, my, my, me, me, I, I, me, me, I? Where's it at? In what ways are you trying to be like God and know good and evil for yourself? We need a change of heart. We went on a journey just now. We went places, Right? We talked about God bringing good from evil. We talked about his ruach, his breath, changing our hearts, circumcision heart, fundamentally different, and that we are all navi, we're prophets. 
We speak the words of King Jesus. Everything comes back to King Jesus. If you're not speaking of Jesus, what are you doing? That's what all Scripture is about. Speak the gospel to your employees. Speak the gospel to the people you work with. Speak the gospel to your parents. Speak the gospel to your mom and dad. Speak the gospel to your relatives. Speak Jesus because Moses wished that the Holy Spirit would fall and everyone would prophesy. And King Jesus made that a reality. We prophesy through King Jesus. All through Scripture we see people fail and struggle and biff it over and over and over. And then Jesus comes and He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. He came to teach us to live through His life, through His death, through His resurrection, through His ascension, to change your heart. This morning, I I don't know what you do with all this information specifically. I'm praying the Spirit moves. Maybe you need to give your life to the Lord. Finally look to Jesus, because only He can change your heart. You're sick of trying on your own because everything orbits you, and you need to look to Jesus. Maybe you need to join the church this morning. Realize it is all about unity in Christ. His Spirit unifying me together. I need people to prophesy in my life, and I need people to prophesy too. You can't follow Christ without the church. You can't do it. Read the Bible. His kingdom come. His will be done. This is where we're at. Maybe you need to follow Him obediently be baptized. I don't know what decision you need to make, but we're going to let it sit on us. We're going to let it bear its weight on us, and we're going to pray, and we're going to worship together. Don't let this time of response go by, because God's put you here for a reason. He's put you here to remind you that you're a priest, you're a prophet, that, that God's word should be coming out of you. We are priests and prophets, more simply put. We're people in Christ called to look to Jesus and declare his love and hope to the world. Look to Jesus and believe. I'm going to leave you with these verses we keep closing with as the band comes. I'm going to read these verses and we're going to pray. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to Himself. The Lord is calling you this morning. How will you respond? Are you listening? Are you going to see things the way that He sees them? Let's pray. God, I ask that You would guide us as we respond right now. May we look to You. Beyond all the words that could be said, all, all the things we try to unpack, give us the humility to look to You and to share a unified life in Your Spirit, vulnerably seeking, growing together in You with each other. God, guide us in what that means. Guide this response time as Your Spirit speaks to each of our hearts. As we come to kneel before You, as we speak prophecy to each other, God, may Your Spirit move. May Your Spirit move. Thank You for Your great love for us, Father. Teach us to repent and believe in the Gospel.